Processes and tools dominate today's Agile discussions, but we are devoted to the individuals and interactions that make it work. From the beginner to the veteran practitioner, we have something for you. Welcome to Agile for Humans. All right, welcome to this week's episode of Agile for Humans. I'm your host, Ryan Ripley. Joining me today, a frequent co-host, Amitai Schleier. Amitai, how are you, sir? Pretty good. Long time no talk, Ryan. Yeah, it seems like it was just minutes ago we were talking to someone else. But now what we've done, we've, we actually, this is, this is one I've been looking forward to, Amitai. We met this person at Coach Camp in St. Louis last year. Uh, we had a phenomenal dinner with her. Uh, Zach Boniker was there. A few other uh, Agile cam- coach campers joined us. Uh, one of the more stimulating conversations I've had in a while, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Of course, I'm talking about Jesse Sterenschus. Did I get that right, Jesse? Yeah, that was fantastic. I did it. So we and so the listeners, just so that you know this. So Jesse, the, the listeners have heard me butcher name after name after name. We practiced, so I think. I'm I'm proud of myself on this one. We actually we we intentionally got this one right. So good job. And if you look at the uh, the show notes, everyone everyone, you'll see that the degree of difficulty on this one was easily an eight. <laughs> at least okay. At least not enough vowels, unfortunately. <laughs> so for those of you, I, I mean, I can't imagine many of you are not familiar with Jesse, but she's a keynoter, uh, frequent conference uh, speaker, does a lot of workshops, author. So she wrote, uh, co-wrote the book Control Shift with Mike Bonifer and very heavily into improv, which is why I think it, it, it's just this, this area fascinates me. And I, I will get into some of those reasons why in a bit, but, but Jesse, thank you for joining us. This You're has welcome. been a long time coming, a uh, huge fan of the, the, the work you do. I'm really enjoying your book. Um, I've caught up on some of your keynotes on YouTube, which we'll put some links to. There's definitely some talks out there that people should see. But uh, this improv stuff, how is this working into uh, teaching teams to work together and all this agile stuff that we all know and love? How's that going and how does that work? Um, it's going really well and it's uh, it goes together really nicely, actually. I think a lot of times people, they hear improv, they're like, what the heck does that have to do with Agile? That's just a bunch of comedy, you know, but if you really break down the philosophies of improv, it's about being Agile and being flexible and paying attention to what the moment needs of you, um, which is really, you know, the scenario you find yourself in when you're sort of working in an Agile way. So all I know is yes and. So that, mm-hmm. that seems to be the beginner intro. So we actually, some companies that I've, I've either worked for now or in the past have brought in uh, some of these improv trainings. And at first I approached it kind of, I think as we were talking a little earlier, it was a cynical approach. Mm-hmm. It was one of those where, all right, I'm going to sit here and they're going to make me get up and do something or I'm going right. to embarrass myself or I'm not going to get anything out of this. And what I found was I was quickly, my mind was changed. And so we're going through some of these exercises and we're, we're trying out some of these different things and people are working together. They have to collaborate. You have to build. And suddenly we're learning uh, either how to work together or where the gaps are. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. am I weird or is this the normal kind of experience that you see? No. Or maybe both. So- maybe I'm weird and this is normal. Yes, it's, it's weird, but in a good way. 
And yes, you described my life most of the time with the people that I'm working with. <laughs> you know, they come in. A lot of people have had bad experience just with training in general, you know, and then you, you know, mix that up with a bunch of introverted people and uh, you get, I don't want to be here, you know, to begin the uh, the training. But I think as soon as you get them involved and they understand the application, like the debrief of improv when you're training is so important that people understand the connections of what we're doing and how it connects to their world. I think if, you know, you just spent the day having fun, that's great, but nobody would really make that leap, you know? And so that most important part is, can they apply this? Can they take the things that they learned from the training and actually use them going forward? So that that leads me to my big question. I'm sort of perpetually on the fence about improv. I was told in high school that theater would be a lot of fun for me if I ever had time between the sports and the nerdy activities that I did already. <laughs> so I never really got to do it, but I've been hearing for a long time that it might be nice. And then I, I sort of moved from programmer into coach and... Mm -hmm. It has been helpful to me to think of coaching as improvising yep. in that as opposed to training or mentoring or what have you, I show up and I try to smell out which way people are moving and which way I could move with them and then which way they might move with me mm -hmm. and try a move and see what comes back. Mm -hmm. And so that seems to fit, yet I remain intimidated by the idea of improv outside that context. How, how should I get over that? Well, I think first, like you said, like we are... We have to improvise every minute of every day, unless you're at a call center reading off a script. And even then, you probably find yourself having to improvise. We're expected to do this and have these skills every day, whether it's agile or not, you know. And so what this does is it gives you the skills to practice using that muscle that you're expected to use anyway, you know. I mean, things like being able to actively listen and read other people and understand what the audience wants of you. And by audience, I don't mean at a comedy show. I just mean it could be the person you're coaching. It could be a team you're working with. It could be your spouse. It could be anybody, you know, and you're expected to play off of those moments. Improv just makes you better at that, more confident and know kind of how to handle it. The lessons that I've gained from this kind of work, and, and like Amitai said, we're on our feet. We're thinking on the fly, and, and it certainly helps there. What was interesting to me is that how many times you fail mm -hmm. during these improv exercises and how it immediately made failure almost something to celebrate, laugh at, and move away from quick or move on from quickly. And I, mm -hmm. that was very intriguing to me. And it's also just so critically important for our teams that while you don't, you're not, you're not in, you're not trying to bring failure on, but when it happens, you learn and you move forward right. and, it's it's some of these these little side lessons you don't expect. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, during these exercises, one of them was a tug of war. I don't know if you've ever done this, Jesse, That's but part. explain more because in improv, people tend to call exercises all by all different sure. names. So, so yeah. this one was uh, the facilitator took half the room. Half of us are on one side, the other half mm -hmm. on another. Uh, we mm -hmm. got into a tug of war stance. And so mm -hmm. then each team, you know, imagine that they picked up their rope and they started the tug of war. And so mm -hmm. for about a minute or two, he let us go. Uh, and we were both pulling back and forth and pulling back and forth. And finally, he stopped us and said, when is someone going to let the other side win? Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow. So this was, this was one of those light bulb moments where, yeah, we are, we are a group. We're all part of one collective team 
We were mm-hmm. put on two different sides of a an imaginary rope. We're not actually pulling anything. We're not trying. To, there's no winning. Right. But there was also no ability to let the other side. There was also this drive not to lose. And yeah. I think it taught everyone immediately that, you know, the, the lessons, cl- they correlate back to communication, to negotiation, mm-hmm. to just the day-to-day team things where, yeah, that was a thing where within the team, there was this inability to compromise and this inability mm-hmm. to give up ground. And just through this simple exercise, it brought it to the forefront and just made it impossible to ignore from that point forward. Yeah. I mean, I think if you think about what you want from your team, you know, you, you don't want them to make best friends with failure, but you, but you do want to have an environment where they're okay to experiment. And so when that's the environment, then you know that sometimes mistakes will happen and sometimes really fantastic learning comes from those mistakes. If, you know, if teams are too afraid to make a mistake, then you're really getting status quo from them. And, you know, you're definitely not getting the best out of the people you've hired to be on that team anyway. You know, I mean, in improv, some of the funniest moments is when somebody trips up and falls, like, you know, the audience eats that up and we're trained to embrace that mistake. Like thinking about that mistake as like a whole new perspective on something that you wouldn't have thought about before and then just kind of follow it up like it was meant to be. So like if somebody trips over a banana, let's say, then the rest of the troop should all of a sudden also trip over the banana. So it looks like you are, you did it on quote unquote purpose. Right. Um, and the team has to be agile enough to pick up on when they should jump in and save their teammate, you know? And that's also a great lesson for teams is like, how do you set your teammate up for success? Improv's all about that. It's about if you set them up for success, then ultimately you look better. If you make them look bad, you look worse, you know? And that's a great philosophy, I think. Hey, everybody. Ryan Ripley here. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear a message about Agile Dev West from our friends over at TechWell. And we get back more with Jesse and the power of improv. Looking for a conference that gives you customized learning options to explore Agile and beyond? Attend Agile Dev West, the premier Agile event, June 4th through the 9th in Las Vegas, Nevada, covering the latest techniques and topics no matter your level of Agile adoption. Learn both foundational knowledge and new methodologies to develop skills, supercharge knowledge, and re-energize your career growth. Take deep dives into topics such as implementation, testing, leadership, scrum, enterprise, requirements, techniques, and more. As an added bonus, the event is co-located with Better Software and DevOps West conferences. Your one registration automatically gives you access to all three programs. This means you can choose from over 100 learning and networking opportunities to build a customized week of learning that fits you and your organization's specific needs. Explore the program at well.tc forward slash Agile Dev. Agile for Humans listeners use the code Agile Dev to receive $200 off their conference registration fee. Register by April 7th. Super early bird deadline for a combined savings of up to $600 off at well.tc forward slash Agile Dev. Yeah, it, it definitely 
works towards that collaboration, empathy, all of those wonderful things. Mm-hmm. What are some of the, the exercises or perhaps some of the experiences you've had? Because I, I mean, if people head out to the Improv Effect, which is your site, mm-hmm. I mean, they'll mm-hmm. see that you've brought many of these lessons to some of the largest companies in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. this is something that, that, all, that many of the big players are doing. You know, even, mm-hmm. even yeah. from startup even, to, you know, the Fortune 500, what do you see when you walk in and start doing these exercises as far as some of those light bulb moments? I think, I mean, yes, and is always a big one because it's so easy to understand and it's so easy to recognize when you don't do that. You know, um, that's, that's one that really sits with people. I think the freedom to fail as well and celebrating mistakes, if you will, as learning moments. Um, and then I think being more self-aware and aware of others by listening and being present and noticing what the moment needs of you. And again, if you jump in to the exercises and get people up right away working with each other and then quickly, you know, show them how the application of what they just did relates to their work, then I think they go along for the ride and and light bulbs are going off the entire time they're working together. And I really like to work with people over a long period of time because I really like to see a transformation. I really love seeing people um, start to use this as a practice, start to gain these skills over a long period of time. And and sometimes a one-off, it's going to have a light bulb moment, but it doesn't necessarily make like um, an extreme change. What really makes the change is to practice and change the behavior over time with improv or many other things. Changing behavior over time uh, is something that you get by picking maybe a new context for a new behavior, such as improv, mm-hmm. practicing that in mm-hmm. a new context. And then as soon as you might possibly be able to bring it back to your original context, try that too. And so do you yeah. get to see, if you, if you stay with sort of like a longitudinal study mm-hmm. of, uh, of the same characters, do you get to see how they wind up applying these behaviors in their original context? Yeah, and that's, that's what I love, is to see it get plugged into their you know, like original sort of day-by-day existence and how they start sort of unlearning, if you will, um, the past behaviors that sort of blocked maybe other people from being them their best selves or f- for like not having the freedom to be creative because they were too afraid to, you know, make a mistake every once in a while. And it's so incredible to see that change, you know. Is there an example of something that happens more often than other things, like a a change in behavior that people maybe self-report back to you? Like the thing I really took away from Jesse's training that I apply the most. Do you hear about those? Yeah, I think a lot of times it comes down to like being a better active listener. So um, really hearing people and understanding that when they when they used to show up to meetings and talk to people, that they were just kind of waiting for their turn to talk and just shoving their agenda (laughs) down everyone's throat. And by practicing staying present and listening and knowing like kind of when to bring that agenda to the back of your mind, when to push it back and when it's needed, you know, all of a sudden they're hearing things in a different way. They're seeing people in a different way, you know, and that's pretty incredible. So Jesse, what brought you to improv? I think there's a, a lot of different tracks to get there. Uh, you know, working in the Chicago area, I've met a number of people that 
that went through Second City and, and came up mm-hmm. that way. What's your journey to it? So when I was about 10, my parents signed me up for a local acting class for kids, like a theater program. And you did different classes every week. And one of the classes was improv. And I just fell in love with it. I loved being in an environment where everybody was quirky and silly. And instead of like stopping them from being that way, we we sanded it and everybody could kind of be their own goofy selves. And it was, uh, I basically never stopped. It was a really great thing. Like if I look back for me, it was a great thing to have found kind of as a preteen and teenager to have that confidence to stand on that it's okay to be different and silly and creative. And that here's a group of people that will bring that up versus push that down. And, you know, and being a teenager is pretty tough for everybody. And especially being your own self, you know, it's not like the thing that people push, especially not girls, you know, so it definitely shaped who I am. And I've been doing it since then. So a long time. It's definitely part of me, you know? Yeah, those teenage years, I would not go back to. But, me, uh, <laughs> me neither, except for the improv classes. Those except for the classes. Now, yeah. it's, it's an interesting journey because I think it's, uh, it's a skill set that it's, it's easy to understand yes and. I think it takes a lifetime to figure out how that should actually work. And how and how to apply it to situations. And, and so it's just interesting to me that even from a young age, this just made sense to you. Whereas you take someone like me and it's taken a long time just to get my head around it, which mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. just it's it's a fun little little comparison there. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, this is a legitimate skill. So you you grew up with improv. It's been mm-hmm. with you as long as you can remember. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how you attached that idea to to being valuable in a business context? How did you figure out and piece together is it, wait, a lot of businesses could really benefit from this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think throughout my life, um, the different situations I would find myself in, like interviewing for a job, being in a new job, making friends, everything. I just, I kept noticing that the same skills I had learned in those classes and improv were useful in day to day, like, and as much as I loved the comedy and performing, I think I've always loved the application more because I like dynamics between people. I like connecting people together. I always have since I was a kid and seeing that this is a great way to help people connect. It just kind of the light bulb kind of went off because I kept saying, well, why, why was this interview successful? Like, I didn't even know <laughs> half of what they were even asking, you know? But I I saw even interviewing for jobs is, like, really fun. To me, it was an improv game, like, of, like, a dynamic between another person where you're playing a game. You don't know what's going to happen. At the end of the day, you want to equalize the situation and go home, you know? And I always thought it was fun. And everyone was like, you think interviewing is fun? And I'm like, yeah, it's <laughs> like I met a new person, you know? What do you mean? And so... You know, once I started offering improv classes, people started saying, we need this at work. And that validated kind of what I knew to be true my whole life. But they came to it on their own, which was really important for me that I didn't have to shove my agenda down their throat. But they they made the connection by taking classes on their own that their business needed it, too. If you could have fun in an interview being interviewed and it makes me think that there's a fixed mindset there's a growth mindset and there's an improv mindset (laughs) yeah that's what it sounds like to me (laughs) yeah i mean 
it's definitely, it's definitely goes with that growth mindset for sure. And yeah, I think if you do improv your whole life, there's a whole nother <laughs> world out there that we live in, but, um, it's, it's fun. It's really fun. And I, I, I just love doing the exercises with people. It's like, it's so fun to see them laugh and like go into a company where the dynamic might be a little tough and people don't necessarily talk to each other or converse in the nicest of ways. And then like 10 minutes in, they're cracking up with each other and like high-fiving their, their ridiculousness. And it's so fun to see that change, you know? So Jesse, I know this isn't probably the normal circumstance that you're working under but is there is there something that you Amantai and I can do to kind of give the the listeners kind of a preview into how some of these games might work oh yes yes and I've got some great (laughs) games we could try if you'd like sure Uh, let's see let's try a listening game if you are willing to play along okay sound good Mm -hmm. okay So here's how it works. We are going to have a conversation. However, the last letter, the very last letter of what I say should be the first letter of one of your responses. So (laughs) if I say, um, is it cold outside today? Then Amitai might answer, yeah, I live and then continue. Whatever he ends with, then we take his last letter. Does that make sense? I think I got it. So uh, also a spelling quiz. It is, but it, I'm not gonna. I'm like, gonna win. Make fun of your spelling by any means. Uh, so don't worry about that part. So you want to try it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. So I am enjoying being home this week. My kids have spring break and. We actually got to go to Disney. How long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> High fives! Yay! Yay! Yo, I'm also having a good time being home this week. That's normally how I talk also. Um, I'm enjoying working from home and uh, being able to record a podcast or two with Ryan because I find it very fulfilling. Great. <laughs> I also enjoy it, Amitai. And spring break's coming up, and I get to take uh, my family on a cruise soon, so that'll be nice. Every time I think about taking my family on a cruise, I think about how nice it would be to just kick back and, <laughs> and do nothing. Growing at peace with yourself is a very important <laughs> skill that doing nothing can help to cultivate. Easy for you to say, Amitai. Uh, some of us don't What's cultivate that? as well. Let me be the judge of that and see who's the better cultivator. <laughs> right on. Right on. That's the game. What do you guys think? I think it definitely makes you listen to the last word that someone says. I was trying to think of a word that starts with K because you said think. <laughs> yeah. I got to stop. Yeah. That game, you know, it helps you kind of stay in the moment. You've got to listen up into the very last thing that they say. And um, if I was to have you guys play it again, I would give you the objective of 
not only playing what we just did, but thinking of your partners and setting us up for success. So like try and be conscious of the way that you end a sentence so that you don't continue to end with E every single time or K or, you know, you want to give them like set up a nice, you know, easy softball. And in the end, we all look good because of that. If we're all successful at it, it works. But if I try to trick you, then I look like a jerk and we all fail, you know? Right. So that's, that's the gist of that game. And I, I really, I like it. It's not, it's not intimidating the way we do it in training too, because it's just partners and we're all doing it simultaneously. So nobody's watching another group and critiquing them. We're all trying at the same time and, you know, half failing miserably and that's okay. And then we play it again and we practice it to see if we can get better. Yeah, and, and in this case, it'll just be four or 5,000 people deciding whether or not we listen to each other well. So that shouldn't like be too bad. <laughs> no spelling mistakes, though. Yeah, Correct. That's so that's a fun game. And I, I think it's just one of the many that are very useful to teams. You've also brought a lot of your knowledge to a book. So Control Shift, 50 games for 50 blanking days like today. And so you've brought a lot of, I think, games, mental models, even little tricks, uh, even things that you just say in your head as you're listening to someone else be negative to keep yourself positive. And so how does, how does a lot of this translate into not only a book, but some of these other exercises? We even started with the title. So we, by leaving the blank there, we can, we thought most people will probably fill it in the way you think by blanking. There'll probably be some foul word, right? (laughs) But we, we thought of it as like, that's a great way to start the book because your mind might go to one thing when really you can fill it in as anything. And so the, the idea that we're pre-programmed to think a certain way and, you know, you made these rules for yourself, even though you didn't have to. And so it's about being flexible when there's open space, you know, like working within a framework there are so many different ways you can improvise to get to the vision at the end. Yeah, there's one in here that I've actually been using it in, in my day-to-day just because of uh, the type of energy going on, let's say. And it's the mm-hmm. if, you, if you know what I mean game. It's, <laughs> I, uh, it, when those of you who check out the book, you'll find that it's a little, it's kind of an internal monologue type of device that helps you stay amused even in the face of negativity and complaining. It's one that I've been using lately and really have gotten, it, it's almost gotten me in trouble because I'll start laughing at something that's not appropriate to laugh at. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> extremely just, handy though. It's yeah, highly useful. It. And actually, again, it's one of those topics when you, when someone walks in and says, today we're doing improv training at your office and you, you start with that cynical attitude. You even, even with the book, you look at it and you go, okay, it's going to be just a bunch of games, but then you start using them and it's like, no, this is fun and it's mm-hmm. amusing, but it's also teaching me uh, a different a different lesson about other people and even myself. And so that's, it's it just, it's such a deceptively simple topic, but as we've talked about, it just become, it is, it's a, it's an amazing skill and it's something that can really change your day-to-day outlook. And so it, it's just really interesting work. So we, we've played the game. We've talked about the book. We've talked about you know some of the things that you you do on site. What's next for Jesse and the improv effect? What do you have on your plate? What's the next type of adventure that that you're going to bring uh, improv classes to? So in the next few weeks, I'm going to be in a couple places. I go to Boston 
next week and work with a, a medical technology company. And then I head to Colorado. I, I started this conference called OpsConf with a guy named Mark from TableXI, and it's for 25 to 30 uh, COOs or owners of tech uh, companies, more like software as a service companies. And we bring them for a retreat in these different places around the U.S. so far. And we use these kinds of things to help these people sort of communicate with each other. So going in, they might see each other as competitors, but going out, they see each other as complementers. And so we take them through a series of exercises like these where they start, you know, forming relationships with each other and then speak to each other throughout the year, you know? So I'm looking forward to that. And then, um, I think after that, I go to Toronto to work with a huge company and then to Norway. Um, and in Norway, I'm working with people kind of on their presentation skills. So using improv to help people be more comfortable in informal and formal settings when they're presenting information. So lots of crazy stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, I'd imagine you wouldn't have it any other way, would you? <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes I'd rather not be in an airplane, but yeah. if I could just beam myself to these places, I think it'd be even better than it already is. <laughs> Flying cars are like 20 years out. We'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what I'll be doing by then. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm looking at the time. We do have a little bit of space in our time box. Can we do one more game and then call it a show? Absolutely. What do you have for us, Jesse? Uh, let's play... Let's play a game. Um, I can give you two choices. We can do one that's about yes and, or we could do one that's about having to change the way you say something depending on your audience. You choose. Which one do you want? You want the second one, Amitai? Mm -hmm. All right, let's do it. (laughs) All right, you picked the more difficult one. Yes. He changed what he was going to say based on his audience. (laughs) So here is how this game works. I'm going to have the two of you, you are going to have a dialogue back and forth, maybe about something um, you did maybe over the weekend or something you're looking forward to. It should be conversational. However, you may not use any words that include the letter M. And if you mess up, this is the fun part. You get to go to your partner and you get to go eh, <laughs> and, and beat them. And then they get to giggle and try and find another way to do it. So don't do the eh in a nasty way, but just have fun with it. So so it's a, it's a conversation about something we're looking forward to. Yep. And we're going to explain it without using the letter M. Correct. M in any part of the word whatsoever. Not the last letter anymore. All right. All right. I'm a tie. Kick it off. He <laughs> <laughs> said my name. It has an M in it. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. How are you supposed to address me, Schleier? There you go. Yeah. See. All right. I'll have to change okay. the way I address you. Okay. Nothing with the letter M. I <laughs> will enjoy soon <laughs> when. Niece has her birthday party weekend. <laughs> wow, I survived. Good job. Great grammatical sentence. <laughs> that sounds fun. What are you going 
to do with her. Nice. Thanks. We will go to her house where all the activities are already planned. Nice. By not her father, <laughs> but the other spouse. The other one. <laughs> What's coming? Nope. Let me try again. And what will you be doing soon that you will enjoy, Ryan Ripley? I will be spending a week on vacation with my children. Oh, Hi. with uh, with the children and. And, that you have. And the wife. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the game. And uh, scene. Think? I think it's fun. I, it's one of those that, again, you just have to be intentional and think through what you're saying. And, and then you have to listen because it's fun to beep the other person. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's that's a great game. So, again, you kind of feel like robotic as you're going through. And if you were to play it a bunch of times, you'll get sort of better and better. But build up a vocabulary of what you can say. Yeah. And the thing is that you're you're like you said, you're thinking before you're speaking. But there's also multiple ways to say something. And I think especially in the world of technology, I think people a lot of times they don't realize the audience they're speaking to and that they, quote unquote, might not speak the same technical language and so being able to have multiple ways to say the same thing and still get that point across is important and this is a great way to kind of get your brain working it in a way that is creative with language you know i wonder have you ever given that game to people who were so good at it that you had to give them e (laughs) no (laughs) that's just cruel so Yeah, I mean, people struggle through through that game. You know, some people get the rhythm of it better and better as they go along. And some people just, you know, are high-fiving failure the entire time and just laughing at themselves, you know. But really, if they get the point to understand about thinking before you're speaking and that there are lots of ways to say the same thing, then great, we walked away with the objective. <laughs> seems, you know, to be, seems to be a recurring theme, Amitai. The, the listeners, so Jesse, you probably won't have heard this by then, but because it won't be out, but we, we just talked to Lisa Crispin about uh, how we can talk about behaviors instead of using a, a word or a label and how, oh, that's really? a, how, the, how we change the language and how we say something a little differently and the message becomes uh, easier for someone else to internalize and understand. And yeah. it seems like we've stumbled onto this topic again, Amatai. It seems to be a universal theme. Oops. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, you know what? Mailed it. I mean, nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> um, one of the things that I used to do when I would start my training is I would say, you know, what do you think of when you when you hear the word improv? And people would be like, I'm nervous, sick to my stomach, comedy, like I want to run out of the building. And then I would just change the word slightly, and I'd say, what about the word improvise? And they're like, oh, I do that all the time. And I always talk to people how like just the language that you choose, even just changing the end of a word really changes the way people feel about what it is I'm talking about. And I think that's so interesting, like changing language too and how it affects people, you know? 
so Jesse, of course, people need to check out the Improv Effect and the Control Shift book. I think those are two great resources for improv. If someone else, if they're, so let's say the listeners are still interested in um, perhaps reading a little bit more. What are the sources that you go to? Like, what have you found interesting and helpful as you've navigated through this field? Yeah, so there's a great book that's called Improv Wisdom, Don't Prepare, Just Show Up. And it's by a woman that taught at Stanford. She's taught acting and improv for like 30 years. She is an amazing book and it has some exercises in there too and really um, relates to kind of your everyday and not necessarily being on stage. I really like that book. And there's also a great group of people. Um, It's called, the group's called AIN and it's for people who do applied improvisation as their everyday job and they apply it to so many things. It might be like they might work for the Red Cross, they might work for Mayo Clinic, or they might be a teacher. And there's time where they get together like once a year and and teach each other exercises. So that's kind of like where I like to hone my my craft, if you will. Very nice. So at this point of the show, Jesse, we, we love to have all of our guests provide uh, anything they have going on, although we've gone through some of that, but anything that you'd like to promote, anything that you think that the listeners should know about or to get in front of them, uh, and actually a way for them to contact you in case they have follow-up questions, you know, whether it's Twitter, email, however you prefer to interact. Uh, anything like that is fair game, and we'd love to, to hear about anything you'd like to share. Sure. So I think the best way to get in contact with me is just jesse at improveffect.com, you know, email me. I'm happy to talk to people if they have ideas or they're not sure about how improv relates to them and they want to kind of explore it more. Um, in terms of like public things, I guess the next public thing I'm involved in is in Oslo, which is, uh, NDC Oslo. And that's a really awesome conference. So there's that. So if you want to like kick it Norwegian style, come and see me there. <laughs> or you can read my book or I'm also on Twitter at, at the Improv Effect. So I'd love to talk to you. I'm a tie. What have you got going on? Uh, I'll mention a couple things in the New York City area now that that's local to me. Uh, April 28th through 30th is Agile Coach Camp. Uh, I believe that's at Spotify's offices this year. Yes, sir. Uh, cool place to check out. And then the day right after that is Big Apple Scrum Day, where a certain Ryan Ripley and I will be co-presenting. That is a enjoyable. That is true. Uh, and I'll just do a quick shout out. Uh, if improv sounds like it might be up your alley, then the Agile Games Conference, which I've never been to, but sounds pretty cool, is also coming up in Boston really soon, April 3rd through 5th, hopefully in time for this recording to get to you. Uh, and then the Mob Programming Conference, Hot on Its Heels, is also in Boston the following two days. They're they're back to back. Is that with uh, Woody? Who's doing that? That's with Woody and Llewellyn Falco, both of whom have appeared on this program, and a bunch of smart people who have not yet appeared on this program. And Richard uh, Sheridan and then, is keynote. Right. So the author yeah, of Joy Inc. He will be there mm-hmm. participating, and uh, it that should be. I'm bummed. I'm missing it, but uh, that should be an amazing Same. time. Bad. I'm bummed I'm missing those two, but you listeners should go if you can. Uh, and then if improv still sounds terrible to you for some reason after listening to all of us uh, come up with <laughs> such brilliant comments, then if you prefer something very tightly scripted that you only have to listen to, there's Agile in three minutes. And you're welcome to check that out. And new episodes are coming from people who are not me. 
True. Hopefully I can get one over to you soon. I, I'm on the hook. And so hopefully coming to a podcatcher near you, a podcatcher <laughs> near you soon, uh, you'll be hearing my version of Agile in three minutes, which uh, it's actually hard to compress something into three minutes. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, other Thank than that... Thank you for your appreciation. I feel it. It is, it is actually <laughs> amazingly difficult. So we do this free form for 45 minutes to an hour, and uh, the conversations are, are great. They, they flow. The time flies by, especially with people like Jesse and Amitai on the show. But to try to do one of these solo talks in three minutes, it's actually kind of painful. And beautiful. And beautiful. <laughs> so hopefully you'll be hearing uh, my version of Agile in three minutes soon. Other than that speaking schedule will be on ryanripley.com shortly so if you want to get to a conference and say hello uh, it is okay to come up and say hi so at a few uh, events people have said i hope this isn't weird or hey i would have said hello but i didn't want to bother you please come and bother me i am just another conference attendee and i love it when people come up and talk about the show and ask just come up and say hi uh amitai loves it too actually amitai prefers hugs so if you see i'm I'm just kidding what's that (laughs) I said, I hate it. I'm just totally <laughs> kidding. I love it. If you see Amitai at a conference, please give him a big bear hug. It's uh, it's his favorite way to say hello. But, I uh, may squeeze you harder than you squeeze me. <laughs> Whoa. But it's cool. Hey, this is <laughs> very good. But as he mentioned, it is a family podcast. Uh, as Amitai <laughs> mentioned, uh, we will be in New York. We'll both be at Coach Camp. Uh, would love uh, as many listeners as possible who are going to come up and say hi we will be co-presenting at Big Apple Scrum Day. I think Agile Indy and Path to Agility, uh, Agile Indy in Indianapolis, Path to Agility in Columbus, uh, both of those are coming up. I will be there. I'm not sure if Amitai, you're making it. Can't not this time. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. So, But all of that information will be on the site. Other than that, just wanted to thank the listeners. The download numbers are skyrocketing. Each month, uh, we're setting new records. That means you're sharing the show, and that is the single best way to support the show. So thank you for doing that. It, uh, it keeps us going and, and helps us get great guests like Jesse to agree to come on. And uh, it's just one of those wonderful things that, you know, your caring and sharing means you get more shows. So thank you for that. And uh, thank you for listening. And everyone out there, be sure to have a great night. Thanks for listening to Agile for Humans. Let's keep the conversation going. Drop us a question on Twitter at Agile for Humans or visit agileforhumans.com.